teaching by itself can be a time bound exercise you go at a particular time and you come back home at a particular time and this is something that is very much encouraged by the family and the society mm. so uh, and in the case of male teachers they are not encouraged really to you know uh, look at the watch look at the time mm. when they take on projects when they do research when they move out and do many assignments that is what is encouraged for them but for women it is thought ki aha aapko jana hai padhana hai aur ghar wapas aana hai because you know grasti hai hello friends i anupam mishra welcome you to the 10th episode of compspire communicate to inspire i hope that you have been loving this series of compspire and today i have come up with some special on women's day eve and we have as a guest Dr Nasreen who is a professor in Tata Institute of Social Sciences at present hello ma'am hello nasreen ma'am thank, thank you so much thank you so much for accepting this invitation and i am really proud to get such an identity in front of you who has worked for more than 30 years for the welfare of the society uh, ma'am you are associated with tata institute of social sciences as a professor and uh, have been working as a professor for more than 3 decades in higher education institutions how do you feel about yourself being a part of education for such renowned association good evening anupam and thank you for inviting me to be a part of your uh, podcast i really feel very honored and uh, as far as your first question is concerned uh, i would say that uh, i have great pride in being associated with uh, that institute of social sciences and uh, especially because i have been there for such a long time i feel that i am a part of its history you know from the nine, from 1985 when i joined there uh, till the time i superannuated in february 2020 this institution and the values that it it holds itself to is something that uh, it has been inseparable from me actually uh, the very fact that it has always dedicated itself to uh, uh, working with the poor with the marginalized Uh, my whole intention of doing the post graduation from TISS was actually to work with people in marginalized communities. Yeah. And as soon as I graduated in 1977 itself, I started working with slum communities in the city of Bombay. Uh, I worked with an NGO for seven years, and then uh, I joined the institute. Working with adults, working with adult learners, was something that you know it had already appealed to me in the first seven years of my career. and the fact that i was able to pursue that at tiss hmm. and the tiss encouraged me supported me in every way uh, to offer courses which were not marketable at all uh, they were not paying the institute anything uh, hmm. in fact there was a lot of investment from our side and there was nothing like returns uh, it was difficult to mobilize students for such courses hmm. uh, we needed to convince people that uh, they had to work in uh, occupations such as social work such as working with seniors you know, such as uh, you know women empowerment none of these things were very easy at a time when we began such courses and the institute consistently supported me to do that and supported my center to do that nothing could have been more uh, rewarding listening to you i feel more inquisitive like uh, when you are telling that when when we are dealing with such sort of institution which is working for slum dwellers or underprivileged people we are not going to get anything in return yes of course people like when they are going to work or they are going to learn something they always think of getting something in return so <laughs> that was a great job you might have really done convincing the people to come for such sort of courses but again i want to know how did you really convince like what is the motive that is required to let the people enter into such sort of courses i think the main thing that uh, individuals have in them when they want to pursue courses like this is you know their desire to actually uh, be of use to society i have consistently seen people who have left uh, careers uh, in uh, in management in marketing in banking 
and uh, they have come to learn you know a subject like counseling they have come to learn how to work with uh, senior citizens they have come to learn how to work with youth marginalized youth and uh, they have all left what could otherwise have been considered as you know careers which will which would have probably paid them much more Mm-hmm. and in all the interviews that we did with such learners who actually left such a, you know sectors and came into social work and social development work i could see that there was just a burning desire for them uh, to change they just wanted to change and very often we would hear such people saying ab bahut ho gaya humne wo bahut kar liya you know we've done enough of that Uh, i think i want to do something else and the second reason that motivated such people was actually their own life experience hmm. many of these people came because they had senior people at home uh, hmm. they had uh, loved ones who had uh, you know uh, whom they had lost uh, because of cancer or some other uh, really uh, hmm. you know serious illness also very uh, stressful situations through which they had passed or they had seen their family passing uh, they had uh, they had lost people lost people whom they loved and these were also the reasons for why they wanted to sort of leave uh, what could be considered as paying careers and come into work like this there is one more thing i would like to add over there i know that you are so experienced and have seen so many people but yes of course whatever earning we have whatever profession we are in that doesn't give that sort of gratification what we get when we really help others when we are in some sort of social services and yes of course the kind of uh, satisfaction at the end you might be getting like i did something today i think you may be right there there are very few nights when i've actually lost sleep because of something wrong that i might have done yeah <laughs> i have been very lucky in life to be able to pursue a career where i where i didn't have to do anything wrong yeah i didn't have to bribe people i have never had to tell lies yeah i have never had to kuch bada chada ke kuch batana hai right kisi ko kuch market karna hai aisa mujhe kabhi zindagi mein nahi karna ma'am you have been involved in curricular building designing and delivering capacity building programs for the development sector including women leadership in higher education can you please discuss about your role in building the confidence and other skills of women um of course uh, uh, you know building curriculum and designing and delivering is the normal part of any of the life of any academic person yeah i have learned a lot actually when you know devising programs for different groups i have myself been a lifelong learner which by the way is also the name of my center the center mm-hmm. for lifelong learning we call it and um, when i began this particular program uh, working along with our ex director of the institute hmm. dr armaiti desai she led after uh, completing her stint with the tata institute she went on to become the chairperson of the ugc so when she introduced us a group of us to this particular program uh, she was the chairperson at the ugc and uh, this was her brainchild her enthusiasm and passion was something uh, that uh, that really inspired me to give my best to this particular program in this particular program we were working with mid level women faculty in universities hmm. to encourage them to aspire to leadership positions because we found that uh, there were a lot of uh, women who joined at the base level hmm. so as lecturers as assistant professors uh, 80 to 90% of the workforce in an institution would possibly be women hmm. but as you move upwards you see that most of the senior positions you know the heads the controller of examinations and of course definitely the vice chancellors all these positions were all occupied by men so what is it that happened to these women who joined you know at the base level hmm. and why didn't they get to the leadership positions 
and we found that there were two or three definite issues that we needed to look at the issues there were some which were external they were out there in the environment and there were some issues which were actually also internal so the internal issues were really to do with the struggle that women faced between their personal and their professional commitments teaching by itself can be a time bound exercise you go at a particular time and you come back home at a particular time and this is something that is very much encouraged by the family and the society mm. so uh, and in the case of male teachers they are not encouraged really to you know uh, look at the watch look at the time mm. when they take on projects when they do research when they move out and do many assignments that is what is encouraged for them but for women it is thought ki ha aapko jana hai padhana hai aur ghar wapas aana hai because you know grasti hai so uh, in that situation after coming to a certain level uh, women had this real tussle in their mind and it was very difficult for women without the full support of their family to continue to move upwards hmm. so so in this tussle generally the career lost out the profession lost out hmm. and it was uh, generally the family and the societal expectations that won so we worked with women in this program to uh, encourage them to balance the two we we, we didn't say that uh, give up one for the other mm-hmm. and it need not be i think that is another thing that we really need to understand that balancing doesn't mean that we have to give up one for the other <laughs> but if there is one which is so dominant then yeah. something from that dominant part will have to be taken this is how we put it so what is balance balance ultimately is your ability to see if you are giving reasonably well to both sides or to all sides or to many sides because you know in the personal there is also elder care there is child care there is not only home care and all of these are very time consuming tasks for women to do yes ma'am so it is your well researched thing that you stated that for balancing we need not leave like that doesn't mean that we have to leave one thing and go for the other so that's a yes. great point because for women it has always been a problem that if you are choosing a career leave your family and yes. if you are going with your family leave your career and so now yes. you have nicely elaborated it that it is not required you can go mm. along with both of them and that's right that will really help the lady to get into leadership i remember many of the people in the organization they say that women cannot be the leader because they have different other uh, responsibilities that they have yes. to bear yes so yes of course men too need to understand they also put this kind of uh, barrier and ladies also accept that barrier that i cannot so both of them have to understand and then they can move ahead yeah mam you yourself being a woman and from the point where you have started yes of course you might have struggled a lot and then you have reached to the position where you are right now when we are talking about leadership when we are talking about leading at some organization that really means that you have traveled a long way to reach over there so ma'am i would request you to talk about any of the obstacles in your life which looked very tough in the beginning but you managed to handle that with your inner strength i don't really know about inner strength uh, anupam because uh, i think that that's a term which i began to understand much later in life <laughs> at the time when uh, i just wanted to do something and uh, you know it didn't always work out i only thought that i had to just keep going at it yeah and uh, i didn't give it any name i don't think i was uh, i was aware enough i wasn't i didn't have so many lessons from life and uh, i think I, i had my parents before me yeah both of them in their own way just determined to do something and i don't remember them giving me any lectures there was no moralizing from them on hard work and commitment they just did it and and obviously i was watching you know what they did and i think that's where it got absorbed so yeah. i know that my mother used to work for a small charity hmm. and uh, i grew up in the city of hyderabad in telangana and uh, when i was growing up in the 1960s and early 70s 
uh, Hyderabad was a fairly small and a conservative place. Hmm. And my mother used to step out to collect donations for a charity. Okay. I I just saw her. So whether she collected a 500 rupees, a small amount or, you know, whether she collected what in those days was a larger amount, like 5,000 rupees. Mm-hmm. But I just saw her determinedly doing it, amongst other things. Yeah, that is the inner strength you're talking about. You said that you didn't know about that inner strength at that time. But that is the inner strength, that determination that you have to just move on. Keep on moving. And both my parents, uh, you know, my mother was a school dropout. Hmm. And my father dropped out after the 12th standard. Okay. And still they were able to manage such thing and they were able to build you at that age. Just imagine you were educated at that that point where women education was not so important. And even in Telangana, we are talking about. So that itself is a kind of surprise. Like they were not educated, but they made you. To yes. get this degree, which is yes. the highest degree in our nation. Yes, that's correct. Ma'am, when we are talking about like uh, the kind of uh, leadership campaign you are going for or the way you are dealing with the other students of yours. So if anyone who wants to be like you or wants to pursue a career like you, what are the requirements for that? I, I don't know whether I would say that there are any requirements but I would say that if you really wish to pursue a career, uh, I think what is important is uh, to sort of be prepared uh, to, to to give it your uh, full sort of effort and to be able to see a purpose in what you are doing. Yes. Because, uh, you know, money by itself, just earning by itself, uh, maybe right in the beginning or just at the start, it might suffice as a, as a reason, you know. Mm. But ultimately, in what you are doing, uh, for it to become a career, for it to become a profession, uh, you need to see that there is a purpose. Yes. That, that you are doing something which is uh, which is fulfilling your own uh, inner aptitude, your own nature. You know, what you want out of something, you are getting it. Yeah. And uh, if that is there, then I think uh, that one is able to build a career in whatever, you know, it could be... Mm-hmm. Could be drama. It could be the arts. Could be in anything actually. You'll be able to build a career. Yeah. Yeah. So basic requirement that you just need to know that why you are doing that thing. (laughs) So when you know the purpose, yes, of course you can do anything in your life, and that's a great lesson for all the listeners. I hope that the people are listening to you and they are able to get this point. Any scale, any part of the profession you want to excel in, you want to get into, you just need to know why you are doing that and what do you want. So the purpose, the motive of it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Uh, Nasreen, ma'am, you have pursued your PhD in social work, focusing in non-profit management from TIS, that is Tata Institute of Social Sciences. Can you please uh, tell us in brief about your research that you have taken over there? Actually, uh, management of non-profit organizations is a relatively uh, recent area of study. So I'm saying relatively recent. It's not like it's five or ten years old. Mm-hmm. The great management guru Peter Drucker has also in fact written a book on non-profit management. And he said in his book that in fact corporate management has a lot to learn from the non-profits and uh, he himself was on sev- on the boards of several uh, you know church organizations yes ma'am so faith-based organizations and other bodies from there he picked up several lessons including the lessons of you know commitment okay and uh, one of his very uh, well-known principles which said uh, keep to the knitting he said you know what you do best Mm-hmm. organizations should you know do that mm-hmm. so he wasn't at that time so much into this whole business of what we talk today in terms of say multitasking or doing varied things he said you need to excel at something that you are doing and he said that is a lesson that we can learn from the non-profits yeah. so this whole business of non-profit management is that uh, uh, as an organization or as leaders in an organization or as managers of an organization where there is no economic benefit Hmm. so it doesn't mean that you make a loss or that you are always going around with a begging bowl it's not like that okay but the point is that making money is not what you are uh, looking for is your ultimate goal yeah Yeah. 
so the ultimate goal in a non profit is to be able to deliver a service efficiently and effectively oh. yeah. so in that sense i did my research with the hospitals okay the specific area of work was job satisfaction of nursing personnel okay so what is it that gives job satisfaction in an organization like a hospital mm-hmm. to a employee such as the nurse yeah and i had a comparison between a public hospital and a private Okay, so you are talking in the perspective of hospitals, but we know very well that there are many jobs. Even if you talk about school teachers, like I have been teaching for more than fifteen years by now, and uh, there we know very well that fifty percent, or even I can say more than that, teachers are not there just to teach; they are there just to earn from teaching. And when they are only just because of some responsibilities, just because of some burden that they have, then yes, of course, that job satisfaction is not there. and when that job satisfaction is not there they are not able to give their best and who is at loss no one else but our whole nation because yeah, the nation absolutely. depends on the teachers absolutely there is also some amount of study on millennials you know okay. the young people that we have today mm-hmm. uh that uh, for them the driver of what will keep them in employment is more satisfaction rather than money yes ma'am so uh, i don't have much information on this but uh, there there are some studies which point to the fact that young people also look for satisfaction mm-hmm. along with money yeah yes ma'am i mean this process of whatever you have been doing whatever service you are giving to our society what is your special quality of yours which with which motivates you to do such sort of things again and again I think wanting to reach out to somebody when I hear that something needs to be done for and with somebody yeah uh, I think my mind starts working on uh, what what are some things that can be done okay so it's I think it's just an aptitude in the sense of you know wanting to reach out wanting to do something that can be done mm-hmm. in whatever be it might be difficult circumstances or whatever mm-hmm. but what is it that i can do uh, really motivates me to you know, stay in this work mm-hmm. and um, i i i don't really know what could be the source of that for me in my life but uh, there is an incident you know uh, when i was finishing my graduation mm. uh, that gave me an insight that uh, that this was something that i was very comfortable with and that was when uh, uh, I was finishing my graduation and my subject was history. I did very well, hmm. and uh, all my teachers in college were very happy with uh, whatever marks I was getting in the subject, and I was doing well. So um, towards the end of the course, one of my teachers asked me. She she was our uh, teacher for ancient Indian history. Mm-hmm. She asked me if I would come to Baroda and pursue my post graduation, hmm. and she said she would be my guide. Oh, <laughs> and um, I at that time I had already started thinking of, uh, you know, going into a course hmm. uh, like social work. Yeah, and I had already done some amount of exploring on Tata Institute and you know what the course mm-hmm. was and all of that. So I told her that I was going to do social work, hmm. and she. she was actually nonplussed she she kept quiet for about 30 seconds and then she said but nasreen do you know that in social work you have to talk to people <laughs> so i was rather quiet i was a reserved person and uh, you know she obviously she had observed me so hmm. i said uh, uh, yes ma'am i i will talk to people Yeah, and it was just that simple yeah i was 19 i was 19 years old but uh, uh, that's all and then she asked me a second time she said uh, are you sure have you given it a thought would you like to come to the baroda university i'm going to be there i'm leaving bombay also and uh, and i told her no i have made up my mind to go to <laughs> so the, i don't know it was just something in terms of that uh, I felt I should do it. 
<laughs> so at that point you again when you talked about determination and that thing that you you can go it so you realized your potential then <laughs> you can of course talk with people and go ahead where that is required being yeah, maybe move out of the comfort zone yeah <laughs> yeah and maybe when one is young one still thinks one can do it abhi main nahi kar rahi hu par kar sakti hu ma'am in your life like there might be so many people that you have come through but who was the most influential to you with which you could connect yourself so when you say that three women and two men okay so amongst the first people to influence me was my school principal and uh, she started the school and i was in the first batch of that school uh, along with uh, eight other people so we were a very small batch because you know the school began with us we were yeah. we were the first uh, batch to pass out of the school she was one person who just uh, told me that uh, i need to ask more questions that that i need to talk more hmm. yeah so she mustn't have known that later on i'll talk so much that people will have to ask me to keep quiet but uh, <laughs> yes i i came from a traditional conventional family mm-hmm. as as a child also uh, obedience was a value in at home which was much value so obedience uh, agreeing with the adults accepting yeah. what they say uh, these were all qualities which were valued in our family as i grew up mm-hmm. so asking questions was some some kind of a very different <laughs> you, you cannot ask like army personnel so disciplined <laughs> and uh, my school principal told me that i should ask questions and i could see her the way which she behaved and you know the mm-hmm. way which she would put forward her point of view so she became an idol uh, at that point yeah very much uh, mm-hmm. yeah she was very much an idol for me at the age of uh, what's it 14 13 14 15 yeah. yeah the second one is a lady i met in the course of my democratic rights work okay she could have lived a very uh, very easy comfortable life an extremely intelligent person who also studied at the london school of economics mm-hmm. but she came back to india to you know to be a journalist and to be uh, working with the marginalized mm-hmm. when i met her i had already completed my course at tis okay at tiss i understood some of the you know the skills the techniques came mm-hmm. in knowledge really to work with marginalized and vulnerable groups mm-hmm. uh, gave me an understanding of caste class gender all the concepts that we really need to understand the differences that are in society and that despite these differences one needs to work mm-hmm. for our constitutional values like mm. we say you know equality justice all of this but what i learned from her was the attitude to that work so i got my skills i got my knowledge i got my information from tiss okay but the very strong perspective that she gave me of 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 being partial to the marginalized okay of not tolerating injustice which by the way was a seed which was also planted by my principal mm-hmm. i think for both these people the whole idea of unfairness mm. and that you know one should not tolerate what is unfair one should not tolerate what is unequal i think the it, it really became a part of my dna i would say and mm-hmm. you know so not the genetic dna but the learning dna yes ma'am and these two things uh, these two ladies mm-hmm. i stayed with me very strong yeah third lady was somebody i met uh, much later yeah and uh, she inspired me actually to be a good academic okay and uh, you know what it means to really work hard the two gentlemen i would say and the one of them i learned uh, the ideas of what is what he taught as unconditional love and forgiveness <laughs> an american hmm um you know uh, it opened the doors for me uh, to understand an issue which was not in that sense practical i i had from whatever experiences that i had till that time they were extremely down to earth practical you know to do with issues of Uh, you know people struggles mm. 
uh, working with the poor, what can be the best ways of uh, sort of uh, solving issues, issues of inequality, issues of patriarchy, you know, uh, domination by certain groups in society. All this was really very hardcore basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from Charles is really something in terms of uh, self-growth. Hmm. Not just growth in career, not just growth in a perspective, uh, but something to do with growth. In uh, And those were some years when I was going through uh, several uh, personal difficulties. Yes, ma'am. And uh, during that period, what I understood, you know, uh, in working with a person like Charles, hmm. his his humility, his approachability. Okay. And yeah, and I don't know from where that the personality that he had, just of radiating warmth. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, after all, he was not a light <laughs> that hmm. you know you could get warmth or heat out of him. Hmm. But he was a li- he he was a light in thinking. His his thinking was not cerebral. Hmm. His thinking was something that gave warmth, and and that is something that uh, stayed with me. <laughs> and and right now, ma'am, what I feel that you are one of the like most empowerful and enlightening lady that I have met, <laughs> because the way you <laughs> like are that. talking about your experiences, the way you are talking about your research, and apart from that showing your gratitude to everyone with which you could learn something with which you could move ahead so that's really a kind of a, a kind of great personality of yours which is reflected over here ma'am nothing like that <laughs> uh, ma'am this is a kind of special episode on the eve of women's day so i would request you to highlight the three major problems of women in india we know that yes of course there are so many related problems to one thing to the other but according to you what is the major prominent problems of women in india any three problems that you think i think uh, one of the most critical problems for women in india is their socialization the way in which their family treats them and grooms them i think is a very major problem. the way in which girls are brought up if they have to develop their own agency hmm. later in life yeah they have to really struggle against Would the way in which the, they are brought up pre-made rules and i i don't know this is the part that i still feel quite dissatisfied with yeah that i don't think there is much difference in my upbringing and the upbringing that uh, the girl child is getting today in this yeah. country yeah <laughs> you're right and 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 my upbringing was in the 1960s i'm saying yeah hum keh rahe hain ki 1960 se leke 2020 tak zyada changes nahi aaye hamara jo ha hamara jo palan poshan hai jo humko bada karne ki jo practices hain agar wo nahi badli hain agar unke mulya nahi badle hain unke tarike nahi badle hain so i think that really need certain attention yeah that's why i think that you know women achievers whatever they have achieved it's because of lot of struggles that they lot have. of struggle lot of struggle right. each each woman is an example i think in her, in herself mm-hmm. for uh, you know what she has to unlearn and mm-hmm. what she has to try and do to come to a certain stage in her career in her work in the way she can interact with uh, other people in society mm-hmm. i think it's an immense <laughs> it's it's not that we haven't moved ahead yeah indian women have moved ahead but i think this problem of socialization is really very yeah that system has not changed yes the women are perspiring women are really struggling moving ahead but the system is same the upbringing is same and the values associated with that yeah uh, ma'am like uh, you have been an inspiration for so many people by now and uh, through your whatever you have learned that you don't keep it with yourself you are sharing with everyone and right now you are like associated with or you have been associated with adult learning training and facilitation programs 
I would request you to tell our audience what type of that kind of uh, facilitation you do and how you are able to train those adult people that they should really go for this adult learning program and there is no age barrier for them to learn anything. Yeah, that's the, what you said is correct. There is no age barrier. Any stage, any age in life, uh, you know, one can continue to learn. So actually in 2006, we renamed our center as the Center for Lifelong Learning. Yeah. And uh, it was, our, uh, th that's when the institute got restructured and, you know, we, uh, we reconstituted our uh, departments and uh, research units we used to have at the time. And we renamed them. Uh, in the process, we got this opportunity to uh, uh, rename our center. Before that, we used to be called the Department of Extramural Studies. And uh, when, I, when I used to introduce the department and say Department of Extramural Studies, everyone was very polite. And, uh, you know, they would say, lovely name. And then next thing they would ask is, what does it mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was obvious. It was a very nice name, no doubt. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't uh, giving the right sufficiently giving the message what does yeah. it really mean mm -hmm. so when we had the opportunity we said isko sidha or simple sulab you know center for lifelong learning bata do sabko samajh mein aa jayega ki ye kya so the center for lifelong learning has been offering certificate and diploma programs and postgraduate diploma programs mm -hmm. for adult learners and we started very early and one of the people who really inspired me is my earlier uh, head of department, Dr. Gita Shah. Mm -hmm. Very lovely, gracious person, mm -hmm. uh, very large heart and a very wonderful large laugh. <laughs> so, yeah. So the moment she laughed, you know, you had to laugh along with yeah. her. Because very cheerful, very outgoing person. Yes, ma'am. And... Uh, uh, Along with her, we started a certificate in social work because from our experience, we understood that there were many people who are in the NGO, the social sector field, mm -hmm. who had not done any formal training in social work. Yes, from this, apart from this course, we then started increasing our number of courses mm -hmm. and we started offering a course, a diploma in counseling. We offered a certificate and a diploma in gerontology. Mm -hmm. that's working with seniors mm -hmm. and then we moved to a certificate course uh, in uh, youth leadership and social change so counseling elderly youth and we were also offering customized programs many organizations approached us for short programs of five days ten mm -hmm. days uh, what in a business school they refer to as management development programs mm -hmm. but we don't I mean, for us, it is not management. It is mm -hmm. the whole social sector, the development field that we are looking at. So <clears throat> these programs we began to offer. And uh, uh, actually, uh, we followed some very basic principles of what we know as andragogy. Okay. Andragogy is the science of uh, learning with adults. And it's different from pedagogy in the sense that peda, you know, P-E-D-A, like yes, pediatric, yes, means children, you know. And I learned that in B.A. Actually, I have done my B.A. So oh, wonderful. Ah, then you are uh, really, yeah, you're just, I don't need to say more. So the principle, basic principle of andragogy is that people don't come to you as a blank slate. Adults yes, have their own life experience. Yes, ma'am. And... Uh, when you are doing any work in learning with adults, mm -hmm. you need to involve uh, them. You need mm -hmm. to engage them by recognizing their previous experience. Yes, by, by validating the previous experience, you know, by acknowledging it. Yes, and not to treat them like they are empty vessels and then mm -hmm. you, you are the jnani who is going to <laughs> fill their head. That's why, That's ma'am. It is easy to write on that empty slate that you said where nothing has been written. But where already something is written, milk, the bottle is already filled. You yes. have to be very conscious about what you are stating, how you are stating, how yes. you are convincing. So that's Quite really true. very important, ma'am. Quite true. So uh, we, you know, all the courses that we have, 
we start with what we consider as the experiential so okay. based on their experience we offer uh, you know the teaching so we structure our teaching in such a way that first we work with them on uh, what they know and we start from where they where they are what they know and then we move on to new content yes ma'am so we we also follow other adult learning principles such as that we have to take into account the experience of formal learning that people have had you see many adults today and this doesn't apply only to our country all over the world the formal education system treats people uh, quite rough quite yes, rough ma'am. yes ma'am so you know uh, many times uh, unfortunately uh, teachers will be rude to children they will be sarcastic with them yes ma'am of course they lose their temper and they get angry mm-hmm. and uh, you know unnecessary punishment <laughs> and a lot of this behavior with a child results in a fear of learning yes ma'am so when adults come to us they remember that experience <laughs> and they don't immediately start speaking in class because the experience they remember is ki ab ye teacher bolegi chup baitho baith jao yes, beech mein mat bolo because this is what they heard in their childhood and this is just somewhere uh, subconsciously absorbed because they didn't hear it once or twice yes ma'am school you know 10 years of school mm-hmm. another 3 4 years of college life and this is what you have undergone so most people when they come to us they come with that fear that they will be demeaned or they will be mm-hmm. insulted or you know uh, they then they will be laughed at or scoffed at mm-hmm. uh, with all these fears they come so one of the first things we do is we try to make adults comfortable we try to provide a warm learning climate in which they will feel accepted yes, and so for us it is very important that in class we relate to students with an attitude of warmth and acceptance yes and that is the way in which uh, you know these students very quickly they realize yes ma'am uh, this is going to be different this experience is going to be different of course that doesn't mean that uh, you know we are quite particular about attendance mm-hmm. and punctuality <laughs> and uh, sometimes we also end up uh, you know having to tell even adults that uh, you know their discipline needs to improve yeah but we know we know the sacrifice that these adults are making in coming to the learning situation yes they ma'am. are coming after a hard days work yes ma'am. they are traveling all the way to come for these classes of course abhi covid ke dino mein nahi but hmm. i mean covid has not been there always okay so yeah. before february 2020 we had these classes evening classes saturday hmm. sunday weekend classes and these adults they are really motivated to come and learn yes ma'am. and they appear for exams i would actually thank you first ma'am because you have removed my prejudice as well where i believed that people from the older generation like you said that you were a student in 60s you have experience of that time and still look at your evolved uh, nature like how you have evolved yourself based on the requirement of the time and you deal with the students based on their requirement your students are far matured than the school teachers are dealing with you have to handle more problems than the school teachers and still you are showing your patience you can empathize with their situation and that part is actually required in the schools as well as you said yes that is lacking in the schools no, which is really required absolutely you know from my own experience i can tell you that i enrolled for my phd Yes, uh, as uh, 1992. Mm-hmm. So the last exam that I ever sat for was in 1977 when I finished my graduation. <laughs> in 92, I enrolled for PhD and we had some papers in philosophy of research and statistics and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sat down to write the statistics exam, mm-hmm. my hand shivered. Mm-hmm. The the pen in my fingers shivered. <laughs> and two little drops of water came in my eyes oh my god yes so I, i completely empathy is not difficult to give to an adult learner you know from my own experience i know what it was to sit down for that exam and you know appear for it and i was already in the university i was already a teacher and okay. even then if that was my state 
then you know you i can well imagine what people must be feeling when they appear for tests exams after such a long gap <laughs> hindi mein mam ek badi achhi si kahawat hai ki jaake pair pare na bawai se ka jaane peed padai so yes of course you already had that pain and maybe because of that you were able to empathize in a better way is that from kabir <laughs> hope so mam because it's a like say yeah it's a lovely saying it sounds like it's from kabir das yes mam ma'am. Uh, ma'am like in your life throughout this time you might have inspired so many people with the way you speak and with the way you train them <clears throat> but i would like to know about any one person any one thing which you still remember and you feel proud of doing that that you were able to transform that person or you were able to make changes in that person constructive changes in that person Yes, I know, ma'am. I'm, I'm very sorry because there might be so many people in that no, you might have done, but at least one with which you have retained, and you think that you you really feel proud of that. I I don't know, Anupam. I can't really answer that. I don't think uh, you know. Uh, I I don't know if that kind of experience I had with my you know students. <laughs> but uh, some of my most touching experiences are with the community health volunteers with whom i worked okay so these were women in the slum community you know mm-hmm. where i worked before i came to tiss mm-hmm. and uh, uh these were housewives yes ma'am and at that time the un had uh, who had introduced uh, you know this uh, polio and uh, triple mm-hmm. immunization vaccine regimen mm-hmm. for children below 5 so we had a clinic running in those slums and so we began inviting the women's groups to come and understand what immunization was mm-hmm. and why they should be given this you know why children mm-hmm. should be given this and uh, from that group you know about 12 15 women used to come we talked to them on children's health maternal mm-hmm. health nutrition diet some basic things mm-hmm. like that and then we had this uh, idea of you know barefoot health workers like that okay. except mm-hmm. and that uh, can we train these women mm-hmm. uh, to you know go to houses in the slum mm-hmm. and because they themselves are from that community they will be able to co- uh, convince other children better mm-hmm. so the out of the 15 20 women who used to come five or six women you know had that mm-hmm. uh, as we say in marathi we say chikati okay so they had that perseverance and you know to uh, get get into this mm-hmm. and then they went uh, from door to door talking about immunization and how it won't hurt you and mm-hmm. it's for the children and all of that mm-hmm. and uh, then we continued that immunization program was a good success and then we we began more health oriented classes okay these women mm-hmm. when they came to us these women themselves had children below the age of 10 you know mm-hmm. and as they worked along with us in the ngo mm-hmm. you see the self confidence that they gathered mm-hmm. and not only self confidence they also gathered the confidence to change their own life <laughs> so for example there was one lady there whose daughter uh, dropped out at 9th standard okay. and there was a good deal of pressure on her ki ab to ye padh pad nahi rahi hai to iski shaadi kar do and mind you i am talking of uh, early 1980s mm-hmm. this experience is early 1980s mm. so what 30 years ago almost yes ma'am almost 30 this lady said i will send her to learn some craft let her learn some book binding or bangle making or something she can sit at home and do this i'm not getting her married mm-hmm. you know for her to for a woman from that community herself not at all educated or some maybe third or fourth standard or something mm-hmm. like that and uh, for her to just say you know to tell her family that i won't get her married she mm-hmm. you know uh, she's and what she said in marathi you know she said ye ladki mere upar koi bhar nahi hai koi bojha nahi hm main isko aur sambhal sakti hu hm 
घर में बैठ के काम करे ट्रांसफॉर्मिंग It was all to do with immunization or dose or injection, lagao and all that. Mm-hmm. But in the process, you know, whatever they did, the way they uh, there was another lady there who later on became a supervisor for other health workers. Great. After about ten years, yeah, mm-hmm. she rose in that job. She had three girls, hmm. educated all of them as a single parent. Great. All of them, they all went into jobs later on. and uh, none of them used to hurry up the marriages of their girl children and uh, i think that just by giving health classes by talking to women about immunization by encouraging them to you know uh, just uh, sort of go to different slum communities and because afterwards they went out of their own community they went to other communities also to do this work you know yes, very yes. small salary okay very mm-hmm. small salary but the confidence level and yeah, the, the way the confidence level improved the ability to see life from a different mm-hmm. perspective and that uh, marriage was not the end all for a girl they could mm-hmm. stand up for their own children uh, one of them uh, you know when her her daughter uh, maybe her son wanted to marry somebody from another uh, caste and she said it's all right i will support my boy to marry this girl so yes ma'am you know uh, the, these are the signs of social change actually mm-hmm. these are signs of koi koi badi cheez nahi karna hai you know we not really climbing the himalayas mm-hmm. but uh, every effort of this sort where people stand up for themselves where women stand up for themselves i mean this is as good as climbing the himalayas <laughs> yes ma'am so true and one more thing ma'am i would like to add over here when you said that uh, you don't remember or you you are not aware about your students but i should tell you while i inquired about you and when i talked about you with some of your students they all see a kind of great figure in you they see a kind of great inspiration in you and they believe that whatever they are whatever mindset they have is just because of you ma'am it is their goodness Ma'am, you have seen a lot in your life, and uh, yes, of course, in this life journey where you are talking about forty years back and in nineteen eighties, where you were able to make some changes in that way, then you have really learned a lot many things. But any three things that you could like count down right now that these are the best learnings of mine. So. one thing i learned over a period of time is that if i stick to some idealism mm-hmm. it's good for me yes ma'am so like i told you earlier i uh, did my graduation in history mhm and uh, at that time so two years before you know when mm-hmm. i how did i choose history and politics mm-hmm. and i chose hindi as my subsidiary लिटरेचर You know, जो हम भूल जाते हैं वो पीछे रह जाता है सो आई डिसाइडेड दैट आई विल टेक अप आईदर हिस्ट्री एज माई मेजर विद हिंदी एज माई माइनर और आई विल टेक अप इंग्लिश लिटरेचर लैंग्वेज एंड हिस्ट्री एज माई माइनर बिकॉज हिस्ट्री वॉज अ लव सो हिस्ट्री तो छोड़ना नहीं था बट आई थॉट हिस्ट्री और हिंदी करेंगे या फिर इंग्लिश लिटरेचर और हिस्ट्री करेंगे इफ आई डोंट गेट इन टू हिस्ट्री देन आई विल डू लिटरेचर एंड history and uh, when i 
applied for this combination the, my first choice was history and hindi hmm. when i applied for this uh, people guided me and said history is a very scoring subject hmm. history politics and if you take hindi you can't score in languages okay so most people don't get 60 65 aapka first class shayad miss ho jayega mm-hmm. whereas if you so you know my thinking was the other way na i thought literature language should be encouraged and mm. should be learned so i stuck by that and what those people told me was right i mm. missed my first class in my graduation okay so i got a yeah i i got whatever was the required percentage in my history politics mm-hmm. uh but uh, my marks in hindi pulled me down and i ultimately got some 60% was a first class so i got 58 or 58.5 mm-hmm. 59 aise kuch mila mm-hmm. so 12 15 marks se mera first class chhut gaya uh-huh. but i don't think i have ever regretted okay <laughs> because in those two years the this language you know which i was able to learn more mm-hmm. you know i was able to learn poetry in this okay we learned uh, the whole myth rashmirathi by dinkar you know wow. by the poet yeah. so even today you no know, if you say mahabharat then i can only say karna i don't say arjun i don't oh. say karna. i i only say karna because that you know that poem the power mm. of that poem rashmirathi yes, yes. even just so, reminding that you get goosebumps like the way dinkar ji has written written it's really incredible i have read it so many times i have recited it so many times and every time i read it i really feel oh my god yeah. karna you were the real hero why arjun is rongte khade ho jate hai na when you <laughs> it is a bada powerful yeah we studied poems by harivansh rai bachchan and you know the whole understanding of chayavad and what it was <laughs> so i i would have i would have never understood this whole aspect of uh, Ma'am, i would really like language. to connect with you after this like whenever you are free because i am more into literature ma'am i have also written so many poems published a poem of my oh, that is wonderful prem ke rahasya mai rang and uh, now i am working with inquest i have never written a poem in my life <laughs> <laughs> but if you are an admirer of course maybe because you are not getting time that's why you are not writing it i am a teacher and every time i get some time to write so <laughs> i will really love to be connected with you just to discuss literature because literature is my love i can say my first love sure so one of the first things i think i one of my lessons for life is that you know if you have some idealism yeah stick to your idealism yeah you should uh, you should keep with it you know yes ma'am because uh, uh, so only when i relate this story and every time i relate this story my thinking gets more and more Evolved. consolidated that you know yeah. first class ka koi matlab hi nahi tha ji 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 usme kuch rakha hi nahi <laughs> और कभी वो बीच में आया भी नहीं है बिकॉज आई मीन यू नो इवन कॉलेजेस एंड ऑल दे आर ओके विद 55 परसेंट सो देर वाज द नेसेसिटी फॉर मी टू बी इन अ इन अ कॉम्पिटिटिव रन दैट आई मस्ट गेट मोर देन 60 और वट एवर उसका कोई Ma'am, uh, like I have already asked you so many questions, but if you could step into my que- uh, my shoes, what will be the question that you'll be asking yourself that I couldn't ask by now? Maybe something on uh, on resilience. Okay. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> maybe something on uh, compassion resilience compassion yes both the things are really related yeah. dedication resilience and compassion so three points something like that 
okay so do you think that resilience and compassion are your key points of your life uh, i would dedication i would like to think so i would i would hope that i have been able to work towards something like that because if one has to grow if if one has to evolve in some sense you know uh i have very strong uh, opinions and views on uh, matters of religion politics okay yeah so all my life i have been guided by the values of people struggles okay yes secularism mm hmm and equality yes these are the three things which are really very close to my heart mm hmm because uh, i feel that whatever today is there in the world in you know whether you say ki Eight hour day, you know, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, freedom of speech, hey, yeah, mm -hmm. freedom of assembly, hey, yeah, jo bhi hai, whatever the rights that you have, mm -hmm. have been won with blood and sweat of mm -hmm. people who struggled. <laughs> Nobody put it on a plate and gave it to him. Yes, ma'am. So sometimes I think that in our country, when we tend to, you know, not value some of these constitutional freedoms, mm -hmm. then we. maybe because the constitution gave it to us mm -hmm. that uh, people at that time who wrote our constitution were uh, that much enlightened to say that it doesn't education doesn't matter mm -hmm. even if even if 78% of india is illiterate we will have electoral system we will have votes yes we will have freedom of speech we mm -hmm. will have you know uh, freedom to move in the country as you know Yes. to assemble freedom to ask all these things civil liberties which they put down but there are countries where this was won with great great blood and sweat bahut yes. so you know those values of struggle those values of having to fight for something that these things don't come to you you know handed down like somebody doesn't just give them to you so that, that, those values for me they are very important and i live and i can never lose sight of them yes ma'am secularism is important to me because i feel that uh, for us uh, religion should be a matter of personal choice mm -hmm. and in your private life you can be anything you can do anything you can follow any faith but i think that in public life mm -hmm. we should be secular yes ma'am because that allows us the freedom to associate with people as people yes so yes. humanity should really be the religion if at all there is to be a religion in public life it should be yes and then equality is important for me because in all senses you know mm -hmm. whatever i have experienced in life in terms of opportunities mm -hmm. i have been very lucky i should say yes ma'am so uh, for others i don't want it to be a matter of luck yes ma'am i want it to be a matter of the system that the hmm. system itself has equal because agar agar wo luck nahi hai wo chance nahi hai so that doesn't mean you should miss out on yes ma'am that's really important we should not rely on just the luck or the opportunity we just have to grab whatever we get and yes of course be i do believe in that ma'am as i said i am also a self made lady i have also started from scratch and then whatever i am today is just because i just kept on moving as you said mm -hmm. just keep mm -hmm. on moving keep up the consistency and while we are doing so that compassion and resilience that is again another aspect which will let you be happy in every situation true uh ma'am if someone wants to connect with you online just for some sort of counseling or some sort of help where do you want the people to reach you out so uh, i'm not fond of social media at all i'm not on facebook or twitter <laughs> so the only place you can find me on is linkedin ma'am at the end now as uh, the conversation was really so bright and enlightening you have highlighted so many things with your is old experience and now i would request you to tell about any three important things that you really think that everyone 
in this nation or in this world should remember to stay motivated or to stay consistent in their life i think one is to try and find a purpose yes, in sir. life and uh, when when i say purpose then i don't mean a goal i because some people have the purpose in life that in the next 5 years they will have at least a two bedroom flat with one car <laughs> that's not purpose okay <laughs> so that's again fad you are pointing out that's not right so purpose is really something you know that will uh, help you to be uh, at your best hmm. so realizing one's full potential uh, you have to set something for yourself which will help you to realize your best and all of us have different potentials how should we identify those i think it is good if we talk to people are well wishers people who mean well by us and uh, i think generally need to keep away from uh, people who are negative with us yes. <laughs> this was uh, yeah this was a very difficult uh, sometimes one has been thrown in company with people where uh, nothing good was coming out from yes ma'am so true like when you are passionate about something you are doing something consistently and still people around you are always there to poke you out like just now you have given the example of karn karn it is said he was defeated or he was demoralized just because of his sarthi that he had his driver who kept on telling that you cannot fight with arjun you look he has the blessings of the god and he's so powerful than you and just by listening to those words he really kept on feeling even though we do know that he was much more powerful he yeah. has so much power more yeah. power than arjun and still he was demotivated and that only killed him by the end so truly said ma'am yes keep away from the negative people and yes everyone should try and find out the purpose set something for themselves like what goal is required that should not be money oriented or yes of course asking for bungalows or uh, some amount of money that right now if you have heard about the coaches and all they ask to visualize what you really want in your life find out that dream and then move ahead so now this is what you are negating and telling it should be some inner purpose yes what changes you want to make what you really want in your life and then yes of course identify your whatever potential you have so thank you so much ma'am thank you so much for your time and uh, all the kind of experiences you have shared with all of us thank you very much for the opportunity it's a great honor to talk to you and now i would like to thank all my dear listeners who have been listening patiently to all of us Dear listeners, if you have really loved this conversation and you were able to learn something, then please do share it with your friends as well and those who really need to get such sort of inspiration. Thank you so much. Stay blessed and keep on getting inspired with Comspire. Communicate to inspire.